What? A racket. This is a racket. This is a racket. This is a racket. You are capitalizing on... You know what this business is all about? Capitalizing what? on people's problems. Oh, boy. Let's hope he's got some new problems. You said it. Yeah. I can hear cash. Problems from heaven. That should be the shrink song. Not pennies. Problems. And he should change his name to Dr. Cash. Well, that's funny. I saw something today that bothered me. Maybe you can help me with okay. it. Okay, I don't mind. I don't mind people who park in the handicapped space. There's always going to be people who do mm. that. They shouldn't do that. We know that. You right. can make a mistake. Maybe you don't see it. But here's what bothers me: handicapped people parking in a regular spot. I saw it. It it bothered me. Did you say anything? No. No. Yeah. I just can't can't confront. I have so I have trouble. Why is it that my voice goes up sometimes? Can you help me with that? It gets very high, and I don't know what that means. Well, I think you... Uh, are your pants tight? Let me check. Just let, let, let them out a notch. Look at you know? this. Look Sit at this. back, let them, let them out a notch. They are. They are tight. Yeah. Let me just... There we go. That's a lot better. Take there. a deep breath. That's a lot better. There you go. How does my ass look? the Dave Juska Podcast, coming to you on Wednesday, March 30th, the end of March, 2016. Thanks for joining us. Why playing this song? Why opening with this? All will be revealed in a couple of minutes. This is, unfortunately, another in a series of the Dave Juska Podcast tribute to one of the greats and certainly one of my heroes and this one is very personal I never got to know David Bowie although as I told you before I was kind of hoping to meet him I met his wife we spent some time together we hung out which was amazing but I never got to meet Bowie but Gary Shandling I did meet for many times and we spent much time together and uh, you know besides that the Larry Sanders show and beyond or before is something like SCTV that shaped me as a person and a comedian and 
you know, we talk about this all the time. Maybe it didn't work out for me, but the plan was to basically do Larry Sanders. And he, uh, Gary Shanling, unfortunately passed away a few days ago when taping this podcast at the age of 66. And still to this day, nobody's exactly sure why. I mean, we know it was a heart attack, but the coroner will not sign off on the death certificate, so perhaps all will be revealed in that. But... Uh, why this song uh, everything that we play today will have meaning and uh, I guess we'll get right to it how's everybody doing today the comedy world is very sad I uh, wrote an article in the Huffington Post uh, yesterday that everybody seems to uh, be very happy with which makes me very happy because it's um, you know it was just something I felt I really needed to write uh, because when Gary died it you know was shocking but uh, the brussels attacks had you know gone off and uh you know that is really important so there was a lot of coverage and unfortunately you know every time i kept looking at cnn or somewhere else or you know the morning news late news it was all about the brussels i understand that i wanted to see more on gary shanling i just felt there wasn't enough uh of this unfortunate shocking surprise death that I, I needed to say something and I needed to let the people know I guess why I thought he was great and and you know I mean that's all I can do right is all I can say is like this is why I thought he was great and I want you to know this and then to spend uh, a little paragraph spending you know the time that I had spent with him which I just made it very short and I didn't make a whole thing but you know it really meant a lot to me to be friends with Gary Shandling during you know his his time, you know, during this Larry Sanders show, I, I can't tell you how much it meant to me. I mean, it would be the equivalent of me, for some reason, hanging out on the set of SCTV, you know, with Eugene Levy and Martin Short. I mean, it was that big for me. Um, you know, I was older, I was in my 30s, and it was uh, extremely formative, and just, uh, I can't even believe it happened. And I, I, I had to say something. So today is... Another in a series of Gary Shandling tributes. I'm sorry, I can't help myself. Um, so last night, the, the article came out, and all my comedy friends, friends I hadn't heard from, all said very nice things. And you know how comedians are. They will let you know when things are stupid or gay. I'm just having some coffee, and I'll tell you why in that in a second. So I got a call from um, Artie's producer, Dan, yesterday, and they're like, can you come on the podcast and talk about your article? I really liked your article. I can't tell you how... Happy that made me. You know, the people weren't making fun. They're like, I really like this. You know, because I had a personal experience to it, and that's what kind of made it interesting, I guess. And they had me come out and, and read the article on the podcast, which I, I don't, you know, I don't know whether they cut it out or not, but that's what Artie wanted me to do, and I, I, I couldn't have been happy. I mean, I was a little embarrassed, but, you know, I love talking, so what's the big deal? I still feel like I, I didn't give my own article enough justice, but... And I'm glad I got to do it. So the Huffington Post, if you haven't read it, the Huffington Post, uh, look up my name or Gary Shanling, Huffington Post. It comes right up. It was on the Google top of the news yesterday. The Huffington Post liked it. They tweeted it out. I couldn't have been more thrilled that people that it that that people enjoyed it, understood it. And, you know, I, I'm not a great writer. I did the best I could. You know, I, 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 using a, a couple of words, maybe I don't know because, you know, I have people edit it. Like people, I have this one girl that I know. Uh, all my articles, I always have somebody edit because I'm, I'm an idiot. 
you know, I, the way I talk is pretty much the way I write. So I remember there's, a, there's an old Charlie Brown comic, and he just is learning how to use commas, and he's writing to his stupid pen pal somewhere, and he's just using nonstop commas after every word. I think that's the way I write. So I have to tell this girl who went to Cornell, uh, our friend Mary, I'm sorry, uh, from, you know, the Oscar show, a Cornell graduate who's going to, you know, Cornell Law probably or something, to edit uh, pretty much a retard's piece. Uh, <laughs> She's probably like, what, what grade did you actually graduate from before I... Uh... So she changed a couple of things. I mean, just basically just punctuation and stuff and maybe put in a word or two that um, I was using incorrectly, as you know that I do. I think about two weeks ago when I was talking about James Burroughs and I call, kept calling him uh, James L. Brooks the entire time that I felt like an idiot. You know, when I'm listening back to the podcast, I'm like, there's nothing I can do. I can't change it. I just have to live with it. And probably most of the people listening don't even know the difference anyway, so... That's all right, but so uh, yeah. So I went to Artie's yesterday. Um, I he, they're like, yeah, can you come over at ten forty-five? And I'm like, a.m. They're like, no, no, p.m. <laughs> Artie's got to do something. And I'm like, I guess that's in Hoboken. So I go out there. Uh, we start taping around eleven thirty at night, and you know, I mean, I work, so I got to wake up early in the morning. But uh, whatever, I'm excited. I love doing the podcast. Marty and I just get along so well. So we do about a half hour show. Then Artie takes a nap. Yeah, and I'm just hanging out with Dan, which is fine, but I don't know if he's going to wake up or what's happening. He ends up waking up, but, you know, Dan's like, no, no, he'll be up in about 20 minutes. You know, 45 minutes later, uh, we do another hour and a half. Then he takes another nap. Then at 4.30 in the morning, I finally read my piece. I mean, I, then I, you know, I finally got back in the city. Remember, I got to park my car in the garage and then walk home. But for, fortunately, Atel was up, so I was talking to him. He was walking me home at 5.30 in the morning over my ears, uh, which I needed to stay awake. And then I went to bed at 6.15, set the alarm for 8, and then I woke up at 9.25 and was out all day uh, working. And then um, I got a call from Sarah's manager and Jeff Ross's manager, and they're like, hey, we're in town. Uh, Jeff's doing the upfronts tomorrow for Comedy Central. Do you want to have dinner with us? And I'm like, all right. You know, I'm, I'm exhausted. I got to do the podcast. So then I'm like, oh, I'll do the podcast Thursday. But then uh, we went out. It was quick. It was easy. We went to that soup dumpling place on 56th Street, you know, that Joe Shanghai. It was perfect. We ate, and then we left. You know how it usually is with Jeff? I'm up till 3 in the morning. It was perfect. I'm like, you know, I'm in a great mood. I'm not really tired. I'm really happy. Um, I'm going to come home and just do it, you know, and I put everything together really quick, and I just wanted to get it started. So I'm not as organized as I'd like to be with my clips and stuff like that. You know, I want, you know how I like to make it kind of smooth. So it's a little off, but I just really wanted to put this out, show the love, and do the podcast. And, you know, I just got some coffee from Dunkin' Donuts, who, by the way, Dunkin' Donuts, you know, <laughs> the people that work there, I don't know whether it's just in the city. I mean, I've gone to the Dunkin' Donuts in Jersey, and they don't seem as stupid. I mean, these people are really stupid, and I don't even know where to begin. You know, there was a Dunkin' Donuts by where I used to work on 40... 6th and 5th that maybe were the stupidest people I've ever I used to walk out of there with free coffee all the time because they just forgot to charge me now that I'm not complaining about but still it's just I'm like don't put the you know I got a donut too because I you know I, I need some dessert but I wanted to get some coffee and um, I need no like that's the last thing I need because then I'm not going to sleep again tonight but I don't care I'm in a great mood I want to do this tribute and I'm excited about it and I really want people to listen to this and so anyway so last night I'm on Artie's show, and I have my friend Sharon Houston on because she told me a story about she, she called me up and she was my old girlfriend, my, my really close friend, 
and she's in the football pool. Sometimes we've talked about her because she just trash talks me all the time. And it's funny because, you know, we used to go out and all she does is call me gay, which is funny every time, you know, because we know guys do it all the time. But it's funny when a girl does, especially if somebody you dated and you're like, um, so I had her come on the podcast of Artie's podcast because she was just making fun of Mike Bichetti the whole time because she was doing a show. It's a long winded story when I'll tell you another time, but Twitter's going crazy. They loved the show yesterday. Me and Sharon were really funny on it. So Twitter's been all a buzz. It's really making me feel good because, you know, I'm always trying to promote the show and I'm glad people like the article and people are tweeting about it. And it's really making me happy because, you know, I'm always just trying to put the word out. I, I mean, what's the point of doing the podcast if nobody's listening? So I just want people to listen and enjoy and hope that they like it enough. But I'm glad they liked me on Artie's because it was a really good show. We had a really good time and uh, blah, blah, blah. So, um, so yeah, that's why I just want to get this out. And I feel like it's like too much handling stuff. I mean, we weren't that close. We hadn't you know, been close in many years. But I, I, I'm sorry. It's just like, um, I don't know, like when Eugene Levy dies... I'm going to have to do the same thing. I mean, if I had a podcast when John Candy died, I would have done this exact same thing. And these are our heroes. When Martin Short dies, I will do this exact same thing. Gary Shandling is up there with those people, mostly because he created the Larry Sanders show. But if we begin from the beginning, uh, I just played him a, a clip of him on Dr. Katz. Now, obviously, I know about him. Now, how great is that for me? Because I was on Dr. Katz. So there's a show, uh, you know, that me and Gary have in common, which couldn't make me happier. Now, I, I have the, the whole show that I'm on. So I just was looking for the... Let me see if I can find it. Leave it here and I'll make sure. Got a hot water bottle. But I'm sitting there in... But, you know, you can't drive off with food. Frozen food. That's me. If you want your kids to abstain from sex... Wait. Yeah, you, and I, uh, I actually tried Wait. to work in an office... I, I didn't work in those really perky those people. I mean, that who just is sort of organized the activities for the office, and Vicky quit. Cool. Mm. Yeah, I, I wrote all the songs and everything. I'm from the old school, you know, so I took tap and, and ballet and voice, so I can do it all. Really? Frozen foods, frozen foods. My eyes have seen the future, and it's frozen foods. Frozen foods! I just, you know, I just wanted to play it. So I say, you know, so I had something in common with Gary. We're both on Dr. Katz. I mean, that's, you know, it's something. And um, so anyway, Gary Shandling did this thing in 1986 called the Gary Shandling 25th Anniversary Special. Obviously, I talk about it in the article because this was everything to me. Of course, I had heard of Gary Shandling as a comic, just like I had heard of Seinfeld. So I knew all about them because I was in comedy, not in, yeah, in 80, I started in 83. Mm. I think I told you, in 1983, I was doing an imitation of Jerry Seinfeld. It was way before the television show or anything. So I knew about all these guys. And I knew Gary Shandling was very funny, but, you know, I didn't know he was a genius. Um, you know, he was a very good stand-up. Obviously, hosting The Tonight Show, he's got to be a very good stand-up. But... This thing that he did for Showtime back in the 80s when nobody had Showtime except I worked for the cable company back then, so I had Showtime. Um, he did a thing called the Gary Shandling 25th Anniversary Special, which was him pretending that he was Johnny Carson pretty much, but I mean, he was Gary, 
and he was pretending that he had been on for 25 years, and we're going to do one of those old Johnny Carson anniversary specials that they did every year for 30 years, which is why Letterman wouldn't do it every year because he's like, those old clips, they show the same thing with the tomahawk and, you know, that Indian with the tomahawk where they throw in the balls and stuff, and they did, you know, a similar gag to that um, and all that kind of stuff, and it had everything you want, and it was brilliant. I mean, brilliant. My friend Lawrence and I thought that was the greatest thing we've ever seen. We knew every line from it. Um, here's, uh, I have uh, the whole I, I have the whole show from it, actually. Uh, but I'm going to go to this one specific. There's a whole bunch of stuff I can play. But there's one thing in particular that has stood out, which I still talk about this day and have told people, Jeez, I think I was talking about it two weeks ago, you know, before Gary had died, just because it made such an impression. I mean, the whole show is funny. All the bits are funny. His co-host is funny. They, they have the, they're always talking about the Kung Fu sketch. Remember the Kung Fu sketch? And the co-host is like, please don't show that. Please don't show that this year. And, um, you know, the Kung Fu sketch is just, a, I almost don't want to tell you because it's on YouTube. You kind of see it yourself. It's really funny. But, um. I am going to play this one clip for you, and it's a little lengthy in the sense, but it is so funny, and it has to do with this comic. They would always have this comic Mark Goldstein on, and they always put him in the worst spots. So um, here's one of those clips. And uh, there's no more exciting night than uh, when we were scheduled to have the Beatles on one month before Ed Sullivan was supposed to have them. Mm. It was really an exciting night. Major coup. I'll never forget that. Let's take a look at it. Thank you. Thank you, Earl Warren. Thank you. Now, before I bring out uh, the Beatles... I know, I know. Before I bring out the Beatles, though... All right, settle down, settle down. Please give a warm welcome to the comedy of Mark Goldstein. Hey! What's happening? Beautiful! Great to be here again. Just got back from Miami Beach. Two beautiful weeks there. Oh, what a town. I'll tell you that people are old, though. It's like God's waiting room. What's the national pastime? Baseball? Here, it's a stroke. My mother used to walk around with a look on her face all day that I called the Jewish drop dead look. It goes like this. She would give me that look. I thought her face was going to freeze up. I would say to my mother, I always wanted to ask my mother for like a little, uh, a little, a little dog. Man's best friend. I'd say something to my mother like, Mommy, can I have a puppy? He's the kind of all-American answer I used to get. You're making me crazy, you know that? What do you want to see me do? Drop dead in front of your eyes? You can't have a dog. You ever smell one? It's worse than your father's feet. Mark Goldstein, good shot. <laughs> you have to understand. Hey, great stuff, great stuff. The audience, obviously, they just want to see. Obviously, it's, it's also visual because the guy they got to play Mark Goldstein is perfect. He's obviously a complete hack comic, and he's got his material before the Beatles come on. I mean, it's so funny. And then even Gary's like line at the end is like, great stuff, great stuff. And you got to see his face. He's doing the standard comedy. And for somebody to know that in 1986, you know, like just what the, what is the standard comic routine is just so brilliant, especially obviously it meant a lot for me because I was doing stand-up comedy at the time. Um, you know, that old hacky stuff, you know, which, which I had seen 
nonstop already in my three years doing comedy back then. Um, so then what happens is, uh, well, I'll, I mean, I don't know whether I should play it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll skip. Uh, they, well, I'll, I'll show you what he says. Anyway, uh, we have some uh, bad news uh, about the Beatles. Uh, all right, settle down, settle down. The Beatles uh, are not going to be able to uh, make it uh, tonight. Damn. And uh, we have, though, in their place, uh, singer Vic Leone. Give him a warm welcome, Vic Leone. And it's great. It's just some Italian guy that they uh, picked up, but and he's singing a Beatles song, but he ends up winning the crowd over. It's such a great gag. hear the change in the audience. It's so funny. Well, you get the gag. Um, so let's get to the end. You went out with those go-go girls, didn't you? No, I didn't go out with those. Margaret Mead, Julia Child. That's it. Not those girls. But Vic killed him that night, didn't he? But we felt so bad about uh, Mark Goldstein that uh, we had him back uh, about two years ago. Now, before I bring out Michael Jackson... Settle down, settle down. All right, before I bring out Michael Jackson, please give a warm welcome to the comedy of Mark Goldstein. <laughs> Thank you. What a beautiful audience you are. Gary, you know how I feel about you, always. Anyway. Great to be here tonight. What a crowd. Hey, folks, don't worry. Diana Ross's twin sister will be out here in a couple of minutes, okay? Huh? What it is, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, but I'll tell you something. This place is crazy. When I first came out, I used to think this place would be so great. I thought it's going to be like one big fairy land. It is. But not in the way that I expected. Hey, well, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, what can we do next, huh? I'll tell you, living out here is great. I just put on this new cologne the other day. I realize some, uh, hey, well, anyway, you've been great. Thanks a lot. Good night, folks. You're beautiful. Gary, as always, Very rough spot. Very rough. Mark will be with us, though, on uh, Wednesday for another shot. Uh, he'll be on with the Barracini Chimps and, uh, oh, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I mean, that's such a great gag. And it's like, you know, I mean, how many people did we hear that we had to follow somebody else or something like that it's just an old standard you know goomba or jewish comic i mean that made us laugh i mean if if you're 22 or whatever you are or 13 
How is that not the funniest thing you've ever seen if you like any kind of comedy? You know, because it's just silly, it's stupid, and it's also brilliant at the same time. It's a statement. It's just really good. There's so many other clips. Um, I remember this one, too. That was great. What a, what a special man. Wasn't that nice to have the senior here? Better than you. <laughs> Of course he's better than me. If he, talk, he talks with his hand. If I talked with my hand, I wouldn't need you. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. We have a lot more clips to look at. The next one is from 1969. Uh, we had a guy on. I thought I'd heard every wacky idea there was until then. This guy had a really crazy idea. Woodstock, New York. Woodstock. Yeah, I think we've all heard of Woodstock. I had my hair trimmed there once. It's a great place. So uh, what's the name of the theater? that it's going to be in there. No theater. We're going to have it out in the field, man. The field. This, this is a put-on, right? No, this is serious. We're going to have this outdoor concert. The weather's always great this time of year. And we've rented six of those portable toilets. We've got a couple cases of hot dogs. Ooh. We're expecting a couple thousand people. We're going to have a great time, man. Well, I wish you the best with this... Uh farm concert. I think it sounds far out. Bring a change of shoes is my advice on this thing. But good luck, really. Well, I'm, I'm glad you feel that way, brother, because I wanted to ask you here tonight mm -hmm. if you would maybe MC the concert for us. Man, oh, we'll give gee. you half the date. Uh, you know, I'd love to. In a couple weeks, I'm going to be uh, uh, at the Comedy Barrel in Cleveland. Otherwise, I'd love to do uh, people. Know, um, if, if Gary can't be there, you know, maybe I could do uh, MC the thing myself. Well, uh, we're just, it might not happen. We're in the planning stages right now. So, well, but those of you who can't make it to uh, Cleveland uh, might want to check this gig out in uh, Woodcliffe because it sounds great. Woodstock, Woodstock, New York. Woodstock, New York, right. So good luck to you. You want to join uh isn't that, isn't that unbelievably awesome? It's, it's just like, I mean, it's just such a funny idea the, you know, when you hear something like that and you're talking about the project as a whole where they're just like, we're going to have all these clips and pretend we were on all this time. And then Gary just not realizing what Woodstock. I mean, it, it, that could have completely happened on the Tonight Show. I mean, obviously it couldn't, which is also why it's so great because it couldn't happen. But yet, why couldn't it happen? And somebody must have had the Woodstock idea and somebody like Dave Chuskow who, you know, met the Blue Man Group before they were the Blue Man Group and said, you guys are retards. <laughs> I mean, somebody must have told the guy who wanted to do Woodstock that he was out of his mind. But that's also really funny. Yeah, we got six um, portable toilets, a couple cases of hot dogs. I mean, that's pretty much the way it went down, which is why it's extra funny. And then, of course, asking him to MC and saying he's got to go to the Cracker Barrel. And remember, when you're coming up with wherever you got to go uh, as a joke, comedy club you know that's always funny to get the right one so the cracker barrel in cleveland is a funny one sarah used to use the ha ha lounge somewhere um on my old public access show you got to come up with the right one you know zanies something like that so it all comes together and that's a 50 minute showtime special which obviously as you can hear with his repertoire with um with the hank character which isn't hank that uh, the guy he's working with is the guy that ended up playing Paul on Cheers. And here is the story. Um, I happen to know a lot of stuff. That guy was supposed to be Hank in the Larry Sanders show because I guess they were friendly and he liked working with him. And, and you can hear the banter is very similar to the Larry Sanders show, if you know the Larry Sanders show at all, between Jeffrey Tambor and Gary Shandling. 
And what I had heard was this guy was supposed to be Hank. And uh, I guess Jeffrey Tambor had, had auditioned, and they auditioned a couple people, but it was pretty much that this guy was going to be because they work well together. And you can see on the show they definitely work well together. And this guy's doing the exact same thing. You know, if Gary can't do it, I can. I mean, that's there's pretty much the same dialogue on the Larry Sanders show. So they're setting it up for this future greatness. And from what I had heard from Gary was that Jeffrey Tambor, it was going to be this guy, Paul. I, I, don't, I think that might even be his real name. And Jeffrey Tamborn called him up and he goes, um, listen, uh, Gary, I need this job. I, uh, things haven't been uh, working out for me. Like he was, apparently when he called Gary and he called him up, he was Hank. You know what I'm saying? He was like, he wasn't trying to do it, but apparently Jeffrey Tamborn is very much a little like Hank in the sense of where he's like, uh, look, uh, I'm going to level with you. This is it for me. This is it. You know, the way Hank talks, everything's drama, everything's, you know, trouble, uh, lying, cheating, stealing, whatever it takes to get the job. Um, and they're like, well, what can I do? I got to use this guy. So they ended up using this guy, Paul, in uh, two different characters. He played as accountant in one. And and uh, Sid, the cue card guy's brother, in another. So clearly they were still friendly. And then he got – and you always felt – I always felt bad for that guy because I can see that happening to me. You're in this wonderful thing, and then you don't get this other thing, which is huge. But at least he got into Cheers and became a little character that people know. So I don't, I don't know why I needed retribution for that guy because he's in this classic, and you know that that's important to me. You know, I like to see Andrea Martin in this that big fat Greek wedding too because she's so important, and especially when you're talking about you know really good women in comedy, there aren't any. You know what I mean? I mean, it was just for a long time. It was Carol Burnett. And then there was Andrea Martin and Catherine O'Hara. You know, I mean, these are our... I mean, now there's, you know, there's Kristen Wiig, there's Amy Poehler. But before them, there's a big gap in between before there were good women, really funny women comedians. And, um, you know, so it makes me angry that Andrea Martin didn't get as good as accolades as Catherine O'Hara did. She was just as good, maybe not as pretty. Of course, they, you know, they get older, whatever. So it makes me happy to see her. I saw her in Pippin recently where she won the Tony. That made me happy. Like, I need that for some reason. I need for people to know how great they are, for other people to know besides myself, which is why I'm doing this entire thing. It's, like, important to me for everyone to know how great these people are. So Gary does the 25th anniversary show. Then he has a relationship with Showtime. It's like a little pilot. And he ends up doing the It's the Gary Shandling Show, which we all know. But, you know... I never loved that show. I thought it was okay. And not a lot of people, so a lot of people didn't have Showtime, but then they started airing it on Fox because people liked it a lot and you had a lot of celebrities in it, which was really smart. But it's still brilliant in the sense of, you know, the way he's just mocking all the sitcoms we grew up in, breaking the fourth wall like George Burns would do and stuff. But, and it's really fun, but it's, you know, it doesn't matter. If he had only done that, he, you know, that could have been funny. But once you do the Larry Sanders show, Everything just pales in comparison. That's how amazing that show is. Um, the funny thing, though, again, um, you know, for me, I have... Uh, first, here's uh, some of the Gary Shandling show, and, and it's kind of funny. I don't know what the episode is, but Rob Reiner had to clean his house, and he's in his house doing chores, just like that, which is odd, the Seinfeld episode where they make the Jerry show and the butler has to clean his house. It's the exact same scenario where 
Rob Reiner has to clean his house. He lost a bed or something. I can't remember what the deal was. This is one of the scenes. Thank God you're okay. Yeah, the word on the street is that you got the crap kicked out of you in the laundry room. Graham, don't say crap on television. <laughs> Gary, we were worried sick. Hey, hi, Rob. Oh, hey, look, Meathead's doing dishes. <laughs> I mean, that's hilarious. I mean, it was a little kid who lived next door. And he's like, look, Meathead's doing dishes. <laughs> Boy, I, I loved you on All in the Family. What was that line you always said? Edith, you dingback. <laughs> no, no, no. Archie used to say that. Oh, well, what was it that you always said? Well, I don't know. Sometimes I said, uh, come on, Gloria, let's go. Or... <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. I mean, that's that that's so funny, right? I mean, I don't know. Because remember, they're playing the typical next-door neighbors like in the Dick Van Dyke show where the Paris, you know, Dick Van Dyke worked on television and, you know, he had all these celebrities come over and the dentists live next door and they don't know anything, you know? So, it, I mean, they just played on that. And they're like, oh, my God, hey, Meathead's doing dishes. I mean, what's funnier? I mean, that's exactly what I would do in a script. So that kind of stuff was funny. There is uh, a really classic one. Uh, well, I don't know if it's classic. Uh, the only reason it's just it's fun for me with Jeff Goldblum, and uh, it, obviously uh, Gary and Jeff Goldblum were friends because he was also in uh, a couple episodes of the Larry Sanders Show. So uh, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum and him get locked in a, a refrigerator together, like a, a cooler, you know. And it was so funny. I'll, I for some reason, you know, there's certain ones I completely remember. And the refrigerator door is closing, and Gary just goes to the camera, and he just goes, well, I guess you can't see this coming, can you? You know, And it's really funny because it's so obvious they're locked in the freezer. And uh, all Jeff Goldblum keeps saying is like, uh, boy, this is really uh, interesting. I, I mean, this is really a, a predicament. I hope my wife, Gina Davis, uh, gets my message that she comes to rescue us. He just keeps saying that. I hope my wife, Gina Davis, uh, keeps, uh, which is really funny too. And... Um, so uh, the reason why I bring it up is because well, it's also it's really great because uh, I guess he must have been in multiple episodes because Grant, uh, the little kid, the little kid had a bunch of episodes, Grant, and he was really adorable. And he looked just like his dad, you know, with the curly Jewish hair and glasses. And he meets Jeff, Jeff Goldblum's his hero. And he goes, oh, my God, I know everything about you. I even remember your I forgot my mantra line in Annie Hall, which is, you know, so obscure back then but if you're a huge fan of comedy you know that Jeff Goldblum had one line in Annie Hall which he just says I forgot my mantra it's the, the big California scene where Woody Allen's making fun of California and he's on the phone going I, I forgot my mantra and it's just a complete diss on LA but Jeff Goldblum's in Annie Hall he's in Annie Hall so I go to see Jeff Goldblum in a play uh, that one of my friends is in Sarah Silverman's old roommate from college uh, is a very good theatrical actress and I go to see her all the time and we're obviously friends and I think I told you this story because I had bought my friend this great acting teacher Larry Moss to see her once and she was in tears the way I was in tears when I met Martin Short uh, that time so we're going to see another play and she's in the play it's her Jeff Goldblum and Laurie Metcalf and I bring this girl with me and she's just gorgeous and she's an actress. I'm like, would you like to come see this thing? I think was it called Disturby or can't, I can't remember. And um, I was like, would you like to come and see the play with me? But listen, you know, we're going to go backstage. We're going to meet Jeff Goldblum. Now, listen, just try and be cool. 
All right? I mean, don't be, hey, is Jeff Goldblum, you know, try and just be, hey, Jeff Goldblum, you know, I want you to be Damone. Don't make me look foolish. Don't make me look ridiculous. All right? You understand what I'm saying? She's like, no, I, I know how to handle it. I know how to handle it. I was very uptight. You know, she's going to, I mean, I'm trying to introduce her to a celebrity. I mean, what's the story? We go up, we meet him, say hello. I'm like, yeah, what's up? This is my friend. I mean, it's easier to meet her because he's like, hello. And, you know, this is my friend Mia, and this is Jeff, and blah, blah, blah. And then he puts out a code word for me that just triggers in only Dave Juskow's warped brain where I become everything I asked the girl I was with not to do. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. <laughs> he put out the code word which triggered the crazed <laughs> fan based where I couldn't stop talking uh, where technically he has to love because there's just so much. So we're talking about Sarah's dog, who I guess had just died. His name was Duck. And on her TV show, his name was Doug, which always made me so angry that he got uh, you know a different name because he was a supporting character. And uh, remember, he uh, took my parking space uh, the day I was on the show was furious. The dog had a bigger part in that show than I did. I mean, let me tell you something. Dick life's been bad for me when a dog can replace me. I remember I sat in his chair and he was going, um, So we're talking about dog. So he goes, oh, you know, um, that's funny because my dog, Woody, and I'm like, Woody? And that was the code word. And I'm like, oh, of course it's named Woody. Why wouldn't it be named Woody? Because you said you had the thing. And remember when you were the Gary Shetting show? And he said, I forgot my module line. And Grant said that to you. And that's why you got locked in the refrigerator. And it was unbelievable. And I didn't even remember that. And I just went crazy. And uh, just said everything at once. And he was like, whoa. Uh, but he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, right. That's uh, the Gary Shetting show. Locked in the like that. He, he remembered, too. But it just came out of nowhere that it went from one thing to the other. And then... To the, I forgot my mantra line from the It's the Gary Shanley show, not the Annie Hall thing. He was like, whoa. But, you know, he's a, he's a celebrity. So, of course, you know, they, they like the, uh, you know, they like the, the any kind of, anytime you recognize their work. And now, let's get to the Larry Sanders thing. Now, I don't even know where to begin. Um, okay. Why don't we, okay. Uh, I'm going to go over, I have a list of the episodes that were important to me. And I'm just going to go over them because, now here's what I did. This is how I remember so much stuff. I just highlighted a couple of episodes from the six seasons. Now all I did was I went online, looked at the episodes, and they have a one-sentence description. But this show meant so much to me and was so detailed for me that from the one word description I can remember lines, some lines definitely what happened characters, that's how important it was now remember also, the Larry Sanders show who better to do a show about a behind the scenes and again you can read all about this in my Huffington Post article where I say this is the perfect person, I mean there couldn't have been anyone else to do this, now you know interestingly enough in the late 80s when I was being managed by Robert Downey Jr.'s sister I had this idea. I said, let us do a behind. I know, I'm just saying. I'm just, I have to put it out. I got to put it out. 
We even wrote some of it up. The guy that created Men of a Certain Age and I put a thing together where I was going to play a late-night talk show host, and it was supposed to be behind the scenes of a late-night show, like Arsenio or something. It was run with Arsenio and so on. So this is way before the Larry Sanders show. We even had meetings about it, wrote some of it up. I, I can't remember what it was called, though. Isn't that funny? I must have some. I must have some of the script on a floppy disk somewhere. If somebody can just get me, you know, a machine that reads floppies. Um, and when I say floppy, I mean you know, not even the hard, you know, the real floppy where you can bend it like an old rubber forty-five you'd cut out of a cereal box. So, uh, yeah. Uh, God, I remember we, we. I wrote the pilot. Uh, my, or my friend Tony DiGirolamo wrote, we wrote the pilot for the first, or for the behind the scenes for my late night talk show. Yeah. Huh. Let's talk about that more. Anyway, I didn't do it, but it's probably best that Gary did. He was the right guy. He, there was talk about him maybe taking over the Tonight Show, maybe taking over the Letterman Show. Nobody knew, but he waited it out, did this instead. Oh my God, the right move, right? And think about it. He's doing it right at the time where all the late night wars are happening. I mean, that's the thing too. You're just, you are in the moment. You are making a show. Remember they, they have that wonderful movie HBO made called The Late Shift, which is the Leno and Letterman thing. And then you have a show that's depicting all of that using the real Letterman, the real Leno, all the people involved were on this show at one point. John Stewart, uh, obviously Gary, you know, but... Um, you know, everyone who, Richard Lewis, anybody that was involved that was in the names of people to possibly either follow Johnny or take Dave's spot was in on this show. And uh, that's what made it even better. It was completely timely. And everybody was interested, whether you liked entertainment or show. But I remember also, almost like the movies, where the only way you could see behind the scenes of the movies, like in the 40s, was a newsreel of uh, Shirley Temple's birthday party, you know, which we now know was uh, staged and really sad. But, you know, this this was how you got to see your celebrities. We didn't have TMZ. There was no Twitter. There was no Internet. The only way you could see your celebrities doing something interesting other than being in movies or television was on the Larry Sanders show. And, uh, I mean, it, you know, think about that. I mean, what, what was this, like, 92 92. I mean, it was almost the 80s. They, you know, this is the only place you could see him doing something interesting. So that's even better. You know, I mean, be, you know, maybe there, there was entertainment tonight, but that was it. And uh, they make fun of Mary Hart 100 times in this, uh, in this show. So the first one I remember uh, is the season one, Dana Carvey guest hosts Larry's show. Now, the reason I remember this one it's because we were laughing so hard. You know, maybe it's not a classic, but Dana Carvey guest hosts. And, uh, you know, already they bring in the guest host thing where, you know, which is interesting too. And Larry's terrified if he goes away. This is the way Johnny, well, Johnny Carson probably didn't feel this way, but other people, that's why nobody ever guest hosts anymore. And he had to guest host or whatever. He had to get Dana Carvey and he was really nervous that Dana Carvey was going to take over the show. I don't know why he had to let him do it. Either he had a vacation, like the network made him take a vacation or something. But so him and his wife are watching at home, and they they give him the worst guests. I, now, I just remember this. I'm not 
reading it from anything, but I remember they gave him the worst guess. They gave him Hervé Villachez. Do you remember? The plane! The plane! And Gary's watching the show from his house with his wife, and they Dana Carvey, Hervé Villachez, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Hank all get on their knees and just do the plane bit. And Larry's wife goes, that's brilliant. See, they didn't make him do it. They both got on the floor. Like the way she's describing it, it's like Dana Carvey found a new way to make Hervé Village has funny, which of course terrorizes Larry where he thinks he's going to be through. So I always remember that scene. It's just so funny because they're showing him watching it. And that was the other thing, how you decide which scenes you're going to actually show to the audience or when you're going to see other people watching it. I mean, that's just really good directing and writing. Remember, that's uh, Judd Apatow and uh, Ken Quapis, and they all, you know, do amazing directing and writing now. So, I mean, he had some sort of team. The Out of the Loop episode, which is one I put in my article, as I only mentioned two episodes in the article out of all these, because the Out of the Loop episode is one I completely remember as well, in the sense that it was mostly just an office episode. You know, you had your the talk show part, but, you know, what the office, the actual office, the British office, the American office did, they, the Larry Sanders show was doing 20 years before. So they had the office, you know how when you work in an office, you know, it was with the managing partner, the producer, whoever it is, you know, the CEO is never involved with the day-to-day operations. That's the HR person or somebody else, um, you know, the office manager. And Larry's like, I don't know what happens with the stuff. I'd like to be connected. And Rick Dorn is like, you don't want to be connected. He's like, no, no, I do. He's like, connect me. He goes, all right, you're connected. And, you know, remember Rip Torn was amazing. I mean, how manly was he? And I think, I know Gary Shanning and Albert Brooks were very close friends because the first time I had heard, I remember they were watching Saturday Night Live together. And I think from Defending Your Life, where Albert Brooks found Rip Torn, I think that's where Gary found Rip Torn uh, to play the, uh, you know, the Artie character, which was amazing. I mean, Rip Torn playing Artie was the producer you, again, think of when you think of the way you want it to be a producer that really doesn't like Gary maybe he likes him he thinks he's funny but he knows he's a twerp and a Jew and he doesn't drink and he's a pussy but he'll take a bullet for him because that's his job because he's a man you know what I'm saying and that's what made him really cool and he took care of him and when Larry was in trouble he made sure you know through you know, people he knew or owed him favors or shifty ways that Gary or Larry was going to be protected. And I mean, how cool is that? That's hilarious. But um, in this one, he gets connected. So all the staff is now coming to him with his problem, with their problems. And Janine Garofalo is really funny in it. And she's like, my mother's driving me crazy. Should I have her put in a home or should I not? And he's like, I, I don't know. And then, you know, all the staff's coming to the problems. And then at the end, he realizes, he's like, look, I, I can't take an inventory. I want to be disconnected. He goes, all right, you're disconnected. I, I warned you. And he's like, uh, but there's a bunch of problems I didn't take care of. He goes, don't worry. We didn't put Janine's mother in a home. Why? She's only 50. You know, like, it's a great, like, reveal. I know I spoiled it, but, um, oh, my God. That's, like, so, it's such good writing. It's such good writing. Because you were like, well, he didn't make a decision. And then you found out Janine is crazy you know that the staff is insane just as insane and that just uh was great a brush with the elbow of greatness 
uh, a classic one where Larry gets in trouble, says he pushed a woman over in the store. I have a clip of that one, actually. in Larchmont Village yesterday evening. Shopper Carol Biederman says she was just waiting in line when Sanders pushed his way in front of her, knocking her into a magazine rack. He just bumped me out of his way like I wasn't even there. It was just rude, you know? I think that we have to send a message to these celebrities and say, like, you know, just because we're the little people doesn't mean that we don't exist. You know, he looks thin when you see him on his show, but in real life, he has kind of a gut. What was he buying? Uh, turn it off. He had a really you big bottle play back? of expensive. No, turn it off. Giant size. Are you please? A jar of art. You recognize that woman? No. But you were in this supermarket last night. Oh, Artie, for God's sakes, put a bright light on me. Yes, I was in the supermarket. I had one of those headaches where I get that tunnel vision. I pulled off to get some Excedrin at the nearest place I could. Went in, got the Excedrin, got some artichoke hearts, because you know I love those. Artichoke and hearts? I, Ever try them in a salad? They really add zing. Don't they? So I go, <laughs> I get that stuff. The woman must have seen me in the supermarket, and she makes up this whole story. Like, you know, she's clearly delusional and, and pathetic. Now, she it. sounds exactly like that crazy woman that keeps breaking into Letterman's house. Except instead of a house, it was a supermarket. Instead of Letterman, it was you. Instead of breaking in, she got pushed. Instead of New York, L.A. Instead of a redhead. You, it's, it was, oh, I'll tell you what pisses what? me off is the news media should have something better to do than focus on me and my little artichoke hearts. That's why I refuse to watch the local news. Two kittens fell in a well. Who gives a shit? Exactly. You know, it's so uh, great because you can see that uh, Artie knows he did it. And he pushed this woman. And the best part is, you know, he's like, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about. We've seen this a hundred times where, and this is, remember this before reality television, before TMZ, you know, where you get a celebrity on footage doing something like this. I mean, this is way ahead of its time. Um, and the best part is that, you know, at the end, they get the security footage and you see exactly what happens. And it's really funny because clearly Larry is known all along. Trouble on the Carol Biederman front. What, does the bad boy say I shot him? Oh, worse than that. Security camera at the supermarket. Entertainment Tonight got a copy of the tape. How did you get it? Mary Hart sent it to me. I fished a dead bird out of her spa on the 4th of July. She owed me a favor. Okay, put it in. You're going to see that all we're going to see is uh, me and my artichoke carts and my Excedrin. That's all. Telling you. <laughs> well, you know, I could be the guy that watches this all day long. I'd Ten bucks says it's night. a cable channel by the end of the year. <laughs> there she is. Is that her? Yeah. Look at, look at her. She's not going to buy that. <laughs> hey, this isn't a fucking lending library, lady. <laughs> She's like reading a magazine. <laughs> look who's here. There's Larry. He's there, sitting there with glasses, waiting yeah, on the library. The artichokes are in your uh, waiting for her, him to uh, her to Please. buy you something. He's just waiting off. so impatiently. Else to see. Right now he's like, turn Making it off. something out of nothing. Hey, whoa! I'm <laughs> fucked. <laughs> he completely pushes her over and into a magazine stand. And it was so funny because it was just so unnecessary and so obvious. And uh, I don't know, such great stuff. I, I swear, I can't wait to see all these episodes. HBO's got a, a deal where just coincidentally that they were going to bring them all back. 
and uh, I can't wait to watch just one, you know, after the other. Uh, Larry's Agent Season 2, uh, the first one of, um, you know, the Better Call Saul, uh, Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk with Stevie. He's waiting, you know, he's trying to change agents, and this guy's a shark, you know, Stevie. Uh, he's, like, waiting in the bushes at Larry's house because he can't wait to get him as a as a, uh, as a a client, which also, you know, in the last episode, it's he's, he's really good. He was a good actor in that before, you know, Saul. Um Life behind Larry. Larry, oh, Larry has to choose the host of a new late night talk show. Uh, which I remember that one because they were trying to find out who was going to replace Letterman, and that's when this was happening. Who was going to follow rather Letterman? Remember, there was a big controversy. Who was going to follow Letterman? And then they had a big gag that it was going to that he like Letterman was on the show, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm going to get Tom Snyder," and he said it as a joke just to screw with Larry and then Larry took Tom Snyder and then Tom Snyder's in the show he's an old talk show host that used to be on after Letterman years ago back to like 1.30 in the morning Dan Aykroyd used to do an imitation of him on Saturday Night Live and he's very boring and uh, then it turned out Letterman actually did use Tom Snyder before they got Craig Kilborn uh, in the end so uh, I just remember that one instantly Larry's partner season 2 I remember that one Larry receives an unexpected visit from his old stand-up partner because it was Eric Bogosian, and at the time, Eric Bogosian was my hero because this guy, we looked alike. He was doing one-man shows all the time. I saw three of them, three different ones, where he'd play multiple characters and just do bits, and he was way cool and interesting. He was in a movie called Talk Radio directed by Oliver Stone, and then uh, we had a Q&A session with him because my friend was involved in the theater and after one of his shows, which I believe was called uh, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, he sat down, he talked to the audience, and he was a dick. And uh, this guy asked a question like, um, hey, uh, how much did Oliver Stone write of talk radio? And he goes, I wrote talk radio. He goes, well, come Oliver Stone's name is on the screenplay with yours. And he goes, because he's Oliver Stone, he wanted to be in the thing. What's the next question? The guy was so angry. Uh, but it was great, you know, because we, you know, me and my friend Lawrence, we, we just loved him. And the fact that he, that... Gary Shanning was smart enough to use this guy as it's not a great episode, but Bogosian was badass and it was cool that I can't even picture them as partners. It doesn't even work. But Bogosian at that time really was my hero also, and that's why I can't believe he was able to use him and he got it. The grand opening that season was when Hank was trying to open a new rotating restaurant and it's so they just have rotating restaurant gags throughout the entire thing where everybody's eating the meal and then it stops abruptly and people keep falling into places of spaghetti and stuff so that's classic um people's choice of season three when uh larry is not happy that arthur's been hired to produce the people's choice awards and then uh, I, I just remember Larry ends up doing it because Artie's like, please, please do it. And then Artie gets into a fight, doesn't end up producing it. So, and Gary's got to dance with Rita Moreno. And I don't know, it's a whole big thing, but I totally remember all of it. Hank's Night in the Sun is a classic. Larry gets sick, so Hank is called on to host the show. And uh, Hank does, like, everybody's on Hank's side. I mean, it's an obvious thing, but it really just shows you really what a great actor Jeffrey Tamborn is whether he's actually like that or not and everybody goes he does the monologue he's horrible at it but the crowd loves it because they know he's just filling in but then he does it a second night and he gets all cocky and you know angry at everybody and thinks he's uh you know what you expect but it's still great to watch 
because you're watching a really good actor and the character's amazing. I mean, the character of Hank Kingsley is it's just an asshole, but that's all the years we had heard. That's what Ed McMahon was like in a way, you know, so, um, you know, with no talent, <laughs> but just this, but he thinks he's talented and it was classic. Um, the Office Romance, I only put that one down. The staff of the show was at odds over the romance between Larry and Darlene. Uh, this was Larry's, Gary Shanling's real girlfriend, Linda Doucette, I think her name is, I can't remember. And um, so they started dating in the office. She was ridiculously hot. She was Hank's assistant. And people catch them making out. So then uh, <laughs> he keeps getting uh, he keeps getting caught in the elevator making out with one of his assistants. And every time the elevator opens, he just has the gag where because he, he doesn't know what to say. He just goes, uh, next. <laughs> And uh, he does that twice, you know, like he gets caught making out again. He's like, a, next, he keeps doing the same joke. And uh, it, that's what makes it so funny because it's just good writing. And then the the big one that I think really changed the show, brought other people over, and where it found its kind of running just in the way like Seinfeld maybe like with the contest or, you know, maybe there was an episode in particular, which I can't offhand, you know, uh, that kind of solidified okay this is a special show and that would be the Mr. Sharon Stone show you have to remember Sharon Stone was the biggest female planet female star on the planet at this time basic instinct so that she was sexy uh, total recall Remember, she was just the shit at the time the premise is can Larry date somebody um, from the show who who's more famous than he is? An excellent question. And watching it unfold is really great. And there is... You can see the flirtation... Sharon Stone was amazing in this. If you don't think she's a good actress, then watch this episode. Because she's fantastic. And Gary's really good in it, too. Because Gary is he's not an attractive man. But his... You can see where women would like him he's completely charming whether it's in character or that's the way he is uh let me play this uh clip where they are uh do i have it where yeah where he's flirting on the show i want to thank you for being here i hope you'll come back soon and she clearly likes him because she's really dressed to the nines while she's on the show and, and and this is their flirting on the actual air which just you know we've seen letterman do with julia roberts so many times and that's what makes it great it's like you know, Letterman and Julia Roberts used to flirt all the time for real. But wouldn't it be great to see, is there something there? What can we see that follows? And then this show lets you live that. <laughs> no. You'll be coming back, won't you? Come on, won't you be coming back? I don't think so. You'll be coming back. <laughs> no, that'll be it. You're okay. coming back? Yes. Come no, back. you're coming yeah. back. All right, I'll come back to see him. <laughs> you have a, may I say, you have a beautiful voice. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be right back we have will smith this has been sharon stone and uh stay tuned no flipping so sharon stone leaves and then gary runs after her which is something he never does uh, let me walk you thank you boy thank you it's just great oh i feel so uncomfortable when i do these shows really well so do i you do? Yeah. You're so good at no, it. Trust me, I hate myself. <laughs> so what does someone like you do now? Tonight? Yeah. 
Um, I'm having dinner with Oliver Stone. Wow, that's just what I imagined someone like you doing. Having mm -hmm. dinner with Oliver Stone. He's Larry, such an interesting Larry, guy. Larry, what are you doing here during the show? Is there oh, a problem I, or something? There's no problem. I'm walking Miss Stone out. Common courtesy. Oh, right. Right. Good. There's a lot of gang activity in this part of the hallway. <laughs> you know, if you married uh, Oliver Stone, you'd be Sharon, Sharon Stone. Stone. Oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we are married. No, I'm kidding. I'm not oh, really. I don't even are really you, know uh, him, but we're going to discuss a future project. Oh, that is so great. I'd love to talk to that guy because I think my mother had something to do with the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> well, in that case, why don't you join us for dinner? He's so charming. You know, he's like, yeah. I mean, he's he's really coming out with the lines. I mean, you know, can you can you imagine being that smooth in a way, being that funny? Yeah, I need to talk to her. I think my mother had something to do with the Kennedy assassination. I mean, she's totally falling for it, and and so are we when we're watching. You know, it's very charming. She's amazing. And then, you know, you can see how this guy, you know, I mean, he's, he's powerful and he just had the show and it's, uh, but how great is it? And he's like, like what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing down here? You know, because he never is, comes there during the show and it's so obvious he's just doing it because Sharon Stone's there. Sir, you could come as my day. Are you sure I wouldn't uh, be imposing? I don't want you to think I tried to weasel into your Oliver Stone dinner. No, I know you did, but yeah, I think I he'd like to meet to. you. Well, that would be <laughs> great. I would love that. Thanks, I look forward to it. All right. And I gotta go talk to Will Smith now, or believe me, I wouldn't leave. All now. right. Okay. Great. Great. <laughs> I'll, I'll follow you down the block. <laughs> All right, I'll see you tonight okay. then. Okay. It's so good that he, then he runs down the hallway because he's late. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's so, I mean, that's even fun to listen to. And, the, oh, here, well, here's the best part. And this isn't taken from this because this happened later. Uh, I've been waiting to tell this story for a long time. I was going to wait till maybe I was on Howard one day. But, you know, I'm friends with Sarah Silverman and David Attell. And a lot of times their careers were paralleling each other. So one day they were both appearing on The Tonight Show one week apart. And uh, uh, on the first, Sarah went first. And then, and she was on, and she tells me, so I said, how was it? How was it? You know, I saw, how, how did the show go? I talked to her before it aired. And she goes, it was pretty good. Uh, but it was weird when Jay was walking me to my car, he was saying, you know, a lot of times these audiences are different because they're tired. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa excuse me. Um, he walked you to your car? And she goes, oh, he walks... Jay Leno walks all the comedians to their cars because he wants to feel like, you know, he's still a comedian and, you know, it's like a bonding with the comics. I'm like, oh, you know, that's different. I actually thought he was kind of a dick, um, but that's kind of cool. That's cool. Whatever. Uh, what do you say? You know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. A week later, Dave Attell is on the show. At the same conversation, I call him after the show, before it's aired, I go, well, how did it go? And he goes... Pretty good. And I'm like, well, what did Jay say when he was walking to your car? And he goes, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, you know, when he walks all the comics to, oh, goodness. You know, that occurred to me. I'm like, oh, that sleazy. And then it's funny, you know, I never cared for Jay Leno when he was hosting at the Night Show. But it's like I almost, I had respect for him when he was doing the comics. And then when I knew he wasn't doing that and he was just being a pussy hound, <laughs> uh, I actually respected him again. Because <laughs> I'm like, who wouldn't do that? Well, you know, everybody everybody likes Sarah, so you're going to do that. And that's exactly what Larry did with Sharon Stone, and that's why uh, it's even a funnier 
scene for me now because it, uh, you know, it makes sense that you would follow Sharon Stone and be like, so, so what are you doing uh, later? Uh, so I remember they end up going out. They go out. I, this is just all from memory. And uh, Larry has an interview with the guy from TV Guide. I'll never forget this. I think about it all the time. Uh, oh, first of all, I use the line all the time, like uh, when a girl tells me something that's really pretty, and I'm like, "What are you doing after work?" Like, "Oh, I'm going to meet, uh, you know, Oliver Stone, whatever, whatever they're going to say, something hot like that." And I'm like, um, "It's exactly what I would have expected someone like you to say." You know, like I always say that line, and I always say this. Well, I don't say it, but I think about it all the time. Uh, the guy from TV Guide comes in to interview Larry. And it's clearly he's trying to find out what happened between him and Sharon Stone and Oliver Stone. But he's pretending it's a TV Guide interview. He goes, oh, listen, so what, do you, what is this about me, Jay, and Dave, and the Late Night Wars? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he goes, uh, listen, you, you know, you guys got to change the, uh, those crossword puzzles. I mean, they're so easy. Uh, the courtship blank Eddie's father. <laughs> I mean, those clues. And he's like, it's, uh, the, the guy from TV Guide doesn't get it at all. And he goes, it, it's, it's of. What? Of that's the uh, well, you know it doesn't get it which is classic and then he's like so um and I, I think about this all the time because I work by Morton's and he goes uh, so how was the dinner at Morton's good good and then he realizes it's just a uh, you know this guy was following him around remember again there was no TMZ and stuff so the guy from TV guy has to come and ask him a couple of questions some gossip questions and uh, then he realizes he's in trouble and he's like will you excuse me and he calls uh, Art the intercom. He calls his secretary Penny at the intercom, and he goes, it, "Did you check with the Mercedes dealers? Is that is the new one in?" And she goes, "I don't know." And then all of a sudden, she comes in five seconds later and says, "Oh my God, there's an urgent call." And then Rip Torn comes out of nowhere and he goes, "I I heard the Mercedes thing. Is everything all right?" Like like apparently that was their code, and it's like a code red that he's in trouble, which I totally remember. Like all of it, it's uh, fascinating. And then, of course. Uh, like again, one of my favorite. Let me see. What is this? Is this the one? Let me hold on a second. What does this have to do with publicity? This is my personal life. I'd like to keep a little distance. All right, wait. This is. Let me just see if this is it. Page fifty-one. People magazine. Drum roll, please. Don't need it. Sharon Stone's engagement is off. It's dead. Kaput. Translation: She is available. Who really gives a shit? Why? Oh, that was the beginning where they find out she's available. I'm just looking for. Uh... Do you like that? Oh, when you say it that way, it takes the shine off it. Oh yeah, this is. Uh... Well, I'll play that later. But um, I was looking for the scene. I thought I had it, where he's waiting for Sharon Stone has come to visit him to take him out because they're dating now. And he's and all the cameras are there following her around like they would Kim Kardashian or something. And he's waiting, even though it's his show, he's waiting for her for them to finish up with him. And he's just sitting in the corner. And Rip Torn sees him there and he goes, You know, when I was dating Jackie Bassett, I used to carry a book. Because <laughs> Rip Torn would date all the favorite of your dad's. You know, like he would date Angie Dickinson. There's an episode where him and Angie Dickinson have an affair. I mean, it's so great. It's so old school and classic. So apparently Rip Torn had been through this before where Jackie Bissett was, you know, he was dating, so she's more, well, obviously she's famous, but it's difficult for a guy who's just standing around. And uh, I, listen, I have to do this with Sarah all the time. I don't know what to do when they're interviewing her. I'm always trying to get out of the red carpet area and I can't get far enough. And they're like, sir, can you please move aside? And I'm like, I can't go any further. So yeah, he's just sitting there and it's really funny. And she's like, I'll just be a moment. And uh, 
he's like, yeah, whatever, you know, but this is tough for him. This is something, you know, he's not used to and he can't handle. Uh, and, you know, the uh, the ending, I'm just, you know, to give away the... Uh, they see when they break up and everything's over, they see, uh, I, I can't tell you the whole plot. Uh, they see Julian Phillips and um, he goes, already, is she more famous? And that, remember that's Bruce Springsteen's whorish wife. Um, and uh, he goes, is, is she more famous than me? He goes, no. And he goes, hello. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, like, that was the ending. But um, this is what, uh, this is a really funny scene between Hank and Larry after the date. Um, can I talk to you for just a second? You feeling better? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, could you, could you, could you tell me what happened last night? Hmm? We went to dinner. I took her home. See, I respect that. See, that's a gentleman, and uh, that's I, I love you for that. But uh, come on, this is me. Hey, did you bag her? You know, I ate the last uh, donut. Uh, I killed the person who ate the last donut. Was it you? Let, 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 um, um, let, let me explain something to you. I know. That never in this lifetime will I enjoy the act of making with someone of Sharon Stone's caliber. I know this and I accept this. So, so fast. I'm asking you to just take pity on me, please. Just take pity and share with me some of God's bounty that he has obviously seen fit to bestow on you. You sound like you're quoting scripture now. Are you, are you aware of Just that? tell me what happened. Did you, Did you hear? Larry is banging Sharon Stone. You shut the fuck up and hide that. Uh, you know, that's just such good acting and interesting. And, you know, wouldn't this character be that creepy and need to know the details and stuff? It's just such a interesting episode. Here's some really good writing and comedy writing that just takes place in the office. If I can 51, People, Magazine. Dr pussy, pussy, I'm going to go get me some pussy at home. I'm getting some pussy at home. <laughs> Man, excuse me, but how would you guys like it if I stood around here and talked about pussy, huh? How would you like that? Pussy, pussy, I'm gonna go get me some pussy. How would you like that? Well, when you say it that way, it takes the shine off it. I'm gonna go get a job at a bank, I swear. Get some of that drive through pussy. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Let me see. Hey. What? Sure. Let me see your picture. Oh, look at that. Oh, hello. Hmm. I wonder if she looks as sexy in uh, real life, because I know I don't. Mm. It, you know, that's such a great scene, too. His secretary's there. They're talking about pussy, and she's like, gentlemen, and it's so great. And then they just, you know, it's still a comedy show. It's uh, it's back then. They, they're not being PC. It's so awesome. They're just being mad, and he's like, remember, he's a comedian. He's like, you know, she's got to kind of understand uh, he's like, yeah, some of that drive through pussy. I mean, it's like really funny. And then you remember that the reason he's the host of the show is because he's really funny off the cuff. And then it's great, too, because the three guys, you know, especially Hank, they hate Hank, but they're still bonding over a pretty woman. And that's what makes the show so good. And this is the third season, and that's what kept it, you know, kind of just be great. And this episode, and I put it in the article, the way it ends... Or the way it, uh, you know, translates. They, he's, they're at his house, and she is. They're just making out, and it's really hot. And it's not one of those things where a guy writes the. I mean, Gary wrote the episode, but it's not one of those things like he did it to make out with Sharon Stone. I mean, there's purpose to it, and and there's meaning to it, and 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 really, if you're writing it yourself, I don't even know whether I'd have the guts to write this scene. He's fooling around with Sharon Stone. It's it's actually uncomfortable, like Larry David in many ways. 
and she he goes listen i have uh, two tickets to the white house dinner uh, you know uh would you like to come with me and she goes oh i was just going to ask you if you wanted to come with me i also have tickets he goes well you know i i mean he goes well i'm sitting at table 20 where are you sitting and she goes with bill and hillary table one and then he can't handle it and he can't get hard and she's like what's the matter he's like nothing what's the matter with you you know like it's all of a sudden he's like he can't perform because he's like she's at a better table she's at the head table until his show comes on i guess it's 11:30 his show comes on it's on the tv and as soon as he starts his opening monologue he's able to get hard and they show them screwing around again i mean that's really interesting funny true and just way awesome and i love it uh so uh just continuing on really quick i just you know uh phil that doesn't matter um Oh, my God, the one with, uh, like, no business I know, the one with Bobcat Goldthwait, uh, which is great. He, uh, they tell him that, uh, you know, don't, don't do anything stupid uh, to ruin the show because uh, Artie hates Bobcat Goldthwait. He's explaining to him about a plant that he's grown, a fern that he's grown from a baby. And then Bobcat Goldthwait goes crazy because they, Larry says, he goes, yeah, you can be crazy. You can be crazy. And he goes, because this is after he had, that's the beauty about the show. Coming back now. This is after Bobcat Goldthwait did something on The Tonight Show to piss off Jay. Like he lit the place on fire, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he lit the desk on fire. And everybody was talking about it. So then they bring it to the Larry Sanders show, talk about it. And then they're like, don't do that. But then somebody tells him to do it. And he does it. And they're yelling and screaming at him. And they're like, you're banned from the show. And then, of course, Larry and uh, Gary, Larry, Larry and already high-five each other because they know the ratings are huge. And it's just a major statement, awesome writing, in the moment. That's the beauty. In the moment. I mean, it's completely relevant. It's very rare to see a comedy like that. Uh, Very rare. I mean, I would say the only thing of relevancy in Seinfeld was possibly the Keith Hernandez one where they did the JFK bit because that was the, the hot movie, you know, at the time. Uh, or maybe it was just three years removed. But, um, you know, this show was relevant in many ways all the time, especially if something big happened on the late night show, like Drew Barrymore taking off her top for Letterman and stuff. Then it was on the Larry Sanders show, like the next week. Um, season four, uh, Larry des- tries desperately to schedule Jeff Cesario for an appearance on the show. He keeps getting bumped. It's called The Bump. Jeff Cesario was an old comic. I mean, he was a young comic. And I just remember it because Gary goes, well, you know, I mean, maybe you get a shot at the young comedian special. He goes, Gary, I haven't been a young comedian for 30 years. I just remember that line. It wasn't a great episode, but Jeff Cesario just kept getting bumped, and that was that storyline. Um, the PA already hires his no-good son for a job on the show. That was Colin Quinn, and he was really funny. All he wanted to do was work for UPS because he can wear shorts and drive with the uh, – the car door open the entire summer. <laughs> uh, Hank's sex tape is a classic. Hank uh, made a sex tape, and uh, two of the writers find it, and it gets all over the place. It gets played everywhere, and the funny thing about it is nowadays, you know, it's on VHS, and Artie comes in, and he goes, well, that's it, Hank. The last copy. It's over. You know, it's so funny watching it now, thinking about it like that would never happen it would never be over for him plus um 
the way he he also doesn't get a commercial because you know it's supposed to be a wholesome commercial. Uh, but I'll, you know, if you ever watch it, it's uh, everything that comes. It's a it's a classic episode. Every bit of it is brilliant, and um, it's fantastic and real and just really funny. You know, if you're looking for something really that's gonna just make you laugh and you know be relevant to what happens in the world today. Um, that's when Larry, uh, the next one, nothing personal. Well, Larry asked his friend Jeff Goldblum on the show. He asked his uh, blah, blah, blah. This is the one where they say they need more movie stars. Janine Garofalo is pressuring him and like, we need movie stars. We need movie, movie people, not TV, whatever. And he's like, well, she's like, why don't you ask Jeff Goldblum? He's like, oh, I don't want to bother him. He's my friend, you know. So then he calls him. He goes, listen, would you mind doing the show? And he's like, yeah, I don't mind. And he goes, how come you've never done it before? You never asked me before. And the only reason I bring that up is because I remember, you know, I'm a big Howard Stern fan, and all I wanted Howard to do was to get Billy Joel on and interview him because I knew they were friends and they would talk a lot. And and Howard would always say, I don't want to bother him, I don't want to bother him. And I'm like, you know, Howard just – I know you watched the Larry Sanders show. I mean, I was thinking this. I'm like, you know, I would tell other people. I know he watches the Larry Sanders show. He's not going to come on because you don't ask him. You know, that that's definitely got to be the same scenario as the Jeff Goldblum thing. It's like, how come you never came on before? Well, you never asked me. I mean, I just needed Billy Joel to be on, and he was an amazing guest on Howard. He was on for like an hour and a half. It was fantastic. Um, now here, brother, can you spare 1.2 million? Larry discovers his accountant, Paul Wilson. That's the guy I was talking about. That was his old psychic, and the guy who's on Cheers has left him broke. He's the accountant. Now, I remember this one vividly because he's been swindling Larry. And Artie and Hank decide to help Larry and get back at the accountant. So they burn the bushes in front of his house. They go on an all-night bender and getting drunk. And that's why I like it, too. You know, Artie's a big booze hound, and he does mischief while he's drunk. You know, like old-school badass shit. And that's what makes it so manly. And him and Hank, who he can't stand, they decide to just drunk. You know, they're drinking. They're having a couple drinks. And they're like, hey... Let's go get that fucking accountant guy and take care of him for Larry. And like, yeah. And they burned the bushes in front of his house. Turns out the accountant had moved. And he's like, you idiots. He moved. He doesn't live there anymore. And they're like, uh-oh. And, but then it turns out that it works out. The accountant comes to Larry's house with a bag of money. And he goes, here. And he's like, what is this for? And he goes, look, I got the message. I know what happened at my old house. I mean, it was really awesome that the way it happened, the, the, again, the writing, the the way it all formed. Great episode, and, you know, he gave this guy a part, which I was so happy to see him in, who was his old partner. Larry's sitcom, Larry Battles the Network over a new sitcom starring Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott was so funny in this. He want, Larry was trying to, like, when, remember when Letterman started Ray Romano? Larry wanted to get Chris Elliott, to do, which is really funny. He's like, no, I got this great new comic, you know, it's Chris Elliott, and, and Chris Elliott will not bow down to any changes he wants to do a show about evil jockeys at the track and that's that and they're like uh, I don't think this is for us what who wouldn't want to do a show about evil jockeys and uh, that's why I remember that maybe it's not a classic episode but it's just Chris Elliott's the best and then of course the eighth anniversary special he did the 25th anniversary special of Larry Sanders show it was, it was the eighth anniversary and it's a real classic with lots of guest stars and the whole premise is that he hasn't gone to the bathroom. He forgot to go to the bathroom. And he's got to go to the bathroom the whole show. And he keeps getting distracted. And it's a great episode. A great episode. Uh, 
season five. Um, Larry tries to stop guest host John Stewart. I, is that the one? Uh, let me just see. My name is Asher Kingsley. The next one. This one came when Sarah Silverman's uh, Sarah Silverman, you know, and Larry uh, Gary were friends. And Sarah's sister is a rabbi who I'm actually seeing speak at the 92nd Street Y um, uh, in a couple of weeks. And so they called her a rabbi. So they had this rabbi come in who's very pretty, and Hank falls kind of in love with her. And then he starts wearing a yarmulke because he's trying to have sex with her. Uh, and he won't take the yarmulke off, so they do an extreme close-up on his face. It's a classic episode because he will not take because he says, no, it's my religious right. And... Um, you know, it's it's. I don't want to ruin that one for you. Uh, you don't care about that one. Uh, the new writer that Phil tries to stay on top of a new female female writer, which is uh, Sarah Silverman. So that was amazing that she was on the show. I mean, amazing. Uh, that that's that one. Oh, Artie can't resist acting on his obsession with Angie Dickinson. I mean, how funny is that? What when are you going to see a show, you know, with Angie Dickinson at this point anymore? Um, uh, don't care about that one. Oh, Larry decides to write a memoir about his career called The Book. Uh, he writes a memoir, and then he realizes that this is his life, and he gets depressed, and he locks himself in a file room, and he won't come out. And everybody that goes and just talks, and he will not say anything to anybody. He's not talking to anybody. So Marley Maitland is on the show as the guest, you know, deaf Marley Maitland. And she comes and knocks on the door, and Larry goes, Marley? You know, he can't see her. He just hears the knock and he, Marley? It's, a, it's such a, you know, those kind of gags, those are like airplane, the movie gags. You know, so each episode had a couple of just goofy gags like that, which were just fucking funny. The deaf girl knocks on the door. He knows the knock. I mean, that's so funny. Um, Arthur talks Larry into being a focus of celebrity roast. I remember this one so much because Larry's so miserable because they're all mocking him and they're all mocking him and he's like, this sucks, this sucks. And then Bill Maher comes on and he's just doing his act and then Larry's furious that it's not about him. And that was just perfect. Okay, here's the one. Season six, another list with Jon Stewart and Winona Ryder. I bring this one up because in this episode, which, uh, no, that wasn't the one I was uh, at. Um, in this episode, John Stewart, he, uh, Gary likes Winona Ryder, and then he opens one of the dressing room doors, and John Stewart, Winona Ryder is sitting on John Stewart's lap, and they're making out, and you know, and Winona Ryder's just smiling, and and John is like, "Hey, uh, what's up?" And then when they close the door, John is devastated, and she's like, "What's the matter?" She's tried to kiss him again, and she's like, "He's like, what's the matter?" He's like, "You you just don't understand, because you know they're two guy comics." Uh, you know, John worships Larry, you know, in the this world, and um, he knows he's going to be screwed now because he knows Gary likes, you know, it's a, it's a mess, and John Stewart can't recover. The reason I bring it up, so I was dating um, a, a girlfriend at a time, and our, one of our first dates, I opened for David Tell and, uh, at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, and we were in the dressing room, making out in you know because it's Dave's the headliner it's his dressing room and my girlfriend came in and she was wearing this beautiful yellow dress and she was sitting on my lap and we were making out I don't know why everybody I knew was there I was very nervous and then Atel walks in and he sees us making out and all I could think about was that scene from the Larry Sanders show 
and she's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it, it wasn't like I thought he'd be mad or anything, but, it, you know, I just, I did feel it was disrespectful. It's his dressing room. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's the room for all the comics, but he's the headliner. It is disrespectful. She couldn't possibly understand. It's totally not her fault. Uh, but I, oh my God, I just totally channeled that scene. You know, it was like so funny that uh, that I ever thought that would happen to me uh, in many ways. And this isn't that long ago either. It's just, um, I don't know. It just that's why that uh, particular episode is interesting for me. Now. Now, I have this one because this is so weird. There's one called As My Career Lay Dying, and uh, it's interesting. It has Donny Osmond in it, who was in the 25th anniversary special, uh, which is interesting. But Leah Thompson's in this one. Now, this is a very strange episode because I don't know what pull Leah Thompson had with Gary Shandling, except the fact that she's sexy or whatever, but they made a deal that Leah Thompson that Leah Thompson would be on this episode and in the show the show within the show Hank would be doing a guest spot on the horrible sitcom Caroline in the City which Leah Thompson ran for like four years on NBC you know one of those shows that was on after Friends or something you know like that Brooke Shields show bag of crap that would never have lasted it wasn't it wasn't on after Seinfeld I think it was on after Seinfeld and uh so Hank, the character, is going to be, you know, he gets a shot at Carolina City. And it's so funny because uh, he, he's playing the plumber. He goes, hello, I'm here to uh, snake your drain. Hey, now. And the director keeps going, cut, cut. Um, you're not supposed to say, hey, now. He goes, got it, got it. But he can't stop saying, hey, now. <laughs> he's like, I'm here to, hey, now, snake your drain. Hey, now. He just, <laughs> it's really funny. Um, here's the weird part, though. Because for some reason, and this is so not Gary Shandling, he returned the favor and did an episode of Caroline in the City for real on NBC, and I still to this day don't know why. That's it? That's the kind of advice you give? I think it's pretty good advice, coming from a colorist. <laughs> Hi, sorry to bother you. I was just looking for Dr. Leslie. Oh, God, you found me. <laughs> I'm Steve Simon. I had an appointment today and you didn't show up. You know, I have abandonment issues and this is not going to help. Right? Well, um, is there something I can help you with? Well, maybe there is. Not that way. See, this is why I need Dr. Leslie. I have to tell you, I get very confused. My friends tell me I have an intimacy issue, you know, but they don't know me. Well, um, Steve, if I may be so bold, you don't seem to have intimacy issues. Hey, back off. You know what? <laughs> I really don't want to discuss this any further, okay? okay. Hey, sweetheart. Hi, honey. <laughs> it's Trevor, my boyfriend. Oh, I see. Uh -huh. Happy to meet you. <laughs> Good luck. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay, I'll uh, speak to you later. I'll wait right here. When Dr. Leslie comes out, just have him come out here. Oh, God. you know what? I, 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 Steve, I don't think so. I, I, no, I'm uh, fine. <laughs> Oh, Dr. Leslie? Oh. oh, boy. What the? Why would he do? I don't like I, I got to look more into that. I hope he was sleeping with her because that's the only reason the great Gary Shanning would would do an episode of that crap that we just listened to after I just talked for an hour about what a genius he was, you know?
kind of ruins it. But uh, there it is. Larry Sanders Show, Gary Shanley the Great. Now, just very quickly, well, not even quickly, who cares? I got to go to the set of the Larry Sanders Show. It was amazing. I got to go to the set of the Larry Sanders Show. And the reason I played the song up top, it's a Ben Folds 5. So he was the musical guest that day. And me and him hung out all day, Ben Folds. And we sat together. We watched uh, him do the monologue, you know, the fake monologue, you know, with, with Hank sitting there at the mic. He goes, uh, today's guest, Nev Campbell. And, then, and he asked me, and he comes to me, he goes, can I ask you, is it Nev or Neve Campbell? And I'm like, I believe it's Nev. Um, I, I couldn't even believe I was talking to Hank. I can't believe I was watching it live. And me and Ben Folds were sitting there. We were like in love because we both couldn't believe we were here. And Sarah was the reason that Ben Folds was even on because Gary had no idea who Ben Folds was. And even when they're on the show, he goes, and this is uh, Ben Folds 5? And, and then Ben Folds, for some reason, plays a song that is horrible. Uh, this song, it was just the worst song. I don't understand his reasoning for playing this. It's an instrumental song, and it doesn't add up. I'm going to just get to it. the theme from Dr. Pizer. I, I don't understand his reasoning for wanting to play a song that wasn't on the album. It was only like an extended second album disc and has no words. Maybe that's why nobody's ever heard of him since. I mean, play your hits. You get an opportunity through the edge of time, but I guess he thought he was being cool or whatever. But, I mean, I got to see that, them do that, him introduce. I mean, I got to see all the stuff. Plus, I also went to where they were filming the other office stuff. I got to see it all, and it was amazing. I, 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 you know, I was just, I was there when, you know, he's ordering a lunch, and Gary's like, Dave, what, do you want something? And I'm like, yeah, I'll get some chicken. I mean, think of, I mean, it was amazing. I was a party. It was always nice to me. Um, in my article, I talk about how we went to see Wild Man Blues together, the Woody Allen movie, and he's laughing so hard because he thinks Woody Allen's crazier than he is, which was so funny. Uh, he came to see my production of The Odd Couple, uh, which went horribly that day. That wasn't anybody's fault. That's the rain in California. Never do a show. Cancel your show if it ever rains in California. People just are crazy. I mean, we did the exact same show the second night, the exact same show, and it was brilliant just like The Godfather was. But for some reason, it was raining, and, oh, people are, hey, they cannot handle it. Here in New York, we are used to it. We don't like it, but we're used to it. We don't let it affect our moods. Once we're, you know, in the theater and high and dry, that's all we're thinking of. In L.A., it's just people driving around. They're crazy. But, uh, yeah, we went out to dinner a lot. And uh, me and, and uh, my friend Danny Vermont. Gosh, it was, um, yeah, it was very exciting you know, I mean, he like I said, he he took me to the basketball games. He gave me this. Uh, I didn't play the basketball, so I would sit on the sidelines. You know, these legendary basketball games that was in the paper the other day where everybody went for one last game. And I was at his house, and they were all playing. And, and he just said, can you read this script and tell me what you think? A, a, a new Larry Sanders episode that ended up not even airing with Woody Harrelson and stuff. And it, it was amazing. And he goes, this is a draft. And I'm like, this is a draft? This is ready to go. 
I, I couldn't believe it. I was reading a script beforehand. I mean, you know, it's it's just it's like I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was uh, amazing being a part of this legendary show. I mean, it would be just as good as if Jerry Seinfeld was taking me around the set of Seinfeld, and I got to saw see a classic episode that I remembered, and you know, you know, he was. It was very exciting. He was the king of the world, and uh, that Larry Sanders show. You know, I just I have a picture of. There's that great picture, the three of the him, Hank, and uh, Rip Torn, and it is just I I just want to put that on my wall. Those three guys and what that show means, the manliness, the non-manliness of it, the celebrity factor. You know, it it just adds up of something that I would like that show. But I really believe that people that didn't even care for show business really enjoyed that show and uh and gary was really funny and I, I i don't know whether i told you but the last time i saw him was two years ago at a party and i he goes oh jessica what's happening you know he just wasn't in the mood he, his face looked different and everything and i go hey what's up uh how you doing he goes i don't know do you know where john ham is he was always looking for the next celebrity, you know. He that's the way he was. It was that's the way he was. It wasn't like like you know changed the Larry Sanders show changed him to that. That's the way he always was. I mean, he always liked pretty boys too. Be friends with Warren Beatty and David Duchovny and John Hamm. It's kind of funny. I don't know why, but uh, well, great man uh, taken too soon, and uh, just wanted to show the love and the respect and. Um, I don't know. I guess that's it. You know, I, I, I really am sick of doing these tribute shows, but uh, I feel like they need to be done. So uh, what happened to Ben Folds? He was so good. We love that first album. It was so amazing. I guess I'll end with that one. But um, so anyway, thanks for listening. I feel I feel like I'm going to forget, like I've forgotten something to say about how interesting he was and stuff. But. It is what it is. R.I.P. Gary Shining, roast in peace, as Jeffrey Ross would say. And uh, next week will be April. I'm going down to Asbury Park this weekend to watch the final four. Celebrate uh, Cousin Frankie's birthday. <laughs> and uh, I'll see you next week on the, uh, the Dave Jones podcast. Almost time for May 3rd. Remember, in May uh, 21st, PodFest. It's all happening in the next couple of weeks on the Dave Just Go podcast. See you next time. Rain.